Hey everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Radium Girls. Uh, today's episode, we'll be talking about one woman in history who did not get the recognition that she deserved. This was a listener's submission, so thank you for submitting this uh, topic and story. Um, I didn't hear about this story before researching, so it was definitely eye-opening and, and one that I think more people should know about uh, because it's not just her story. Like, this has happened, um, yeah, especially back in this time. Yeah. And people like her. Um which is very unfortunate. So we're here to tell you her story, um, to be a voice for her and her family. <laughs> However small we are, it's still a voice. <laughs> so we'll let's get into it. All right. Henrietta Lacks was born on August 1st, 1920 to Eliza Pleasant and John Randall Pleasant in Roanoke, Virginia. Henrietta's mother died giving birth to her 10th child when Henrietta was just four years old. After her mom's passing in 1924, her father and his 10 children moved to Clover, Virginia to be closer to relatives. Once settled, her father would divide his children to be raised by different relatives. Oh my god. Henrietta was raised by her grandfather, Tommy Lax, who was also raising his other grandchild, David Lax, or Day, Henrietta's first cousin. So they just spread children everywhere back then. Neither one of the children would complete school. Day would stop attending in the fourth grade and Henrietta in the sixth. So the two cousins would actually end up together and have their first child, Lawrence, when Henrietta was only 14 years old in 1935. Their second child, Lucille Elsie, and also their marriage would come in 1941. After Elsie was born, the pair would move to Turner Station in Maryland so Day could work for Bethlehem Steel at Sparrows Point. This was not the only reason for the move. They were urged by another cousin to move closer to family due to the fact that Elsie had developmental disabilities. Henrietta and Day would go on to have three more children, David Jr., Deborah, and Joseph. Around 1950, Henrietta told one of her female cousins that she felt there was a knot inside of her. However, she did not seek medical attention. A week after telling her cousins about feeling this, she became pregnant with Joseph, who was their fifth child. Elsie would become too big for Henrietta to handle alone while pregnant, so the doctors recommended sending her away to the hospital for the Negro Insane, which was later renamed the Crownsville State Hospital in Crownsville, Maryland. Henrietta continued to feel this knot inside her, which was eventually accompanied by vaginal bleeding and a lump on her cervix that was there three months after giving birth. It was then that she finally decided to seek medical attention. She decided to go to the Johns Hopkins Hospital only when she thought there were no other options for her. Johns Hopkins was the only hospital in her area that would treat her, although she received her care in what's referred to in the 50s as the colored ward of the hospital. Doctors here would diagnose Henrietta with cervical cancer. Henrietta kept her diagnosis private, only telling her husband that she needed to go to the doctor for medicine. Why would you keep that private? I don't blame her. Really from her husband? Mm-hmm. I don't blame her. I probably wouldn't keep something like that private, but I yeah. would probably keep, like, I don't know. I think it's just because of where it's at and the yeah. time yeah, that's like, true. The the age of Oh yeah, she's young. Um, well, not necessarily that age. I just mean the um era. Yeah. The the decade. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that time that they're in is very modest. Yeah. And, Both of those parts. So yeah. I think that's probably I don't I can't speak for her, obviously, but if I were to keep it quiet in that time, mm -hmm. probably why. Yeah, that's true. Henrietta received numerous tests at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in preparation for her first cancer treatment. Following the standard for the day, her first treatment involved Lawrence Wharton Jr., the surgeon on duty, taking tubes of radium, putting those tubes in little pouches, sometimes called brac plaques, and then sewing those pouches to the inside of her cervix. I can't oh. imagine. Oh my god, I cannot imagine. That is crazy. Sewing them. Like. How? Tubes of radium. 
I'm not laughing. I just can't imagine. Oh, no. Man. So, you know, Radium, our friend Radium. Hello, we're Radium <laughs> girls. <laughs> this is a radioactive metal that is lethal to cells, but can cause mutations that ultimately lead to cancer, but can also be utilized to kill cancer yeah, cells. It's weird. So, yeah, super <laughs> weird. Um, so, yeah, she had this sewed inside of her cervix. Mm, about to sew nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Goodness. So while Henrietta was sedated on the operating table for her first procedure, her surgeon took two tissue samples from her, one taken from her tumor and the other from her normal cervical tissue. Then he placed her tissue samples in a glass dish and had a resident transfer the samples to the Johns Hopkins Hospital researcher and head of tissue culture research, George Otto Gay. At that time, patients at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, like Henrietta, routinely had their cells collected to aid in research endeavors at the hospital without their knowledge. Without their knowledge. I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> During that time in history, it was common for physicians to use patient samples from public wards without their knowledge or consent. Yeah, that would not go down today. The only form of consent that the Johns Hopkins Hospital had lacked sign was titled Operation Permit, which stated that she consented to the hospital performing any operative procedures and anesthetic deemed necessary for proper surgical care. So, the surgery and to put her under. Yeah. She didn't sign a waiver for you to take part of her body. Yeah. For research. Like, I don't know. Uh, hmm. You can at least ask. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, do you want us to take some cells so we can, you know. I mean, I think they do that now, like biopsies, you know. Take biopsies yeah. to research. And, but I mean, at least you know. <laughs> yeah, and for you. Not, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that for true. to research for your body to see if you have it maybe anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Or if it's going to spread, like, yeah. to see what kind and all that stuff. Not just for you to have fun with. <laughs> Gay aimed to develop what was called an immortal human cell line, or cells that would continuously replenish themselves in the laboratory. Gay provided lax tissue samples to his research assistant, Mary Kubasek, and tasked her with culturing Henrietta's tumor cells and healthy cervical cells. Mary was skeptical that Henrietta's cells would continuously multiply, as none of the cell samples she had cultured previously had successfully done so. Mary picked up Henrietta's tumor sample, covered it in a culture medium, and labeled the sample H-E-L-A, or HeLa, we're going to say HeLa, <laughs> or H-E for the first two letters of Henrietta, and L-A for the first two letters of Lax. Actually, I'll probably end up saying Hella, <laughs> but it's one of the two, so just FYI, it's H-E, capital H-E, capital L-A. Mary did not expect Henrietta's cells to hold any more success than the other patient's cells she had attempted to culture, but the HeLa cell line did succeed, and Henrietta's cervical tumor cells continued to grow continuously. Weeks after Henrietta left the hospital after her initial radium treatment, her tumor cells continued to grow in a culture at Gay's lab, multiplying 20 times faster than her normal cells. All the while, Henrietta is back at work at the tobacco fields. So, her cells are in a lab somewhere just multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. She's working with radium. <laughs> it's not funny, but radium sewed inside of her. Oh, gosh, yeah. Unless, unless they took the radium out after the treatment. I don't, I think they, they sewed it in her, though. Yeah, but. You ain't about to sew it up and then unsew it. <laughs> True. Well, I'm make sure it stays in place during the treatment. Well, better to find a different way. <laughs> Either way, she's working with cancer. Like, yeah. When the HeLa cell line successfully multiplied in 1951, Gay informed his colleagues that his lab may have grown the first immortal human cell line offering them vials of Henrietta's cells. This woman's cells are immortal. She has no idea at this point that they're even, they even took her cells and tried to recreate, like, regenerate to get them to multiply. 
she's just working on a tobacco farm, you know, trying to cure her cancer, basically. Yeah. And take care of her kids. And here you are, you've got her cells, and you're about to just give them to your colleagues? <laughs> Still, she has no idea that you've yeah. got, you successfully did this for her? He's he's really over here trying to find um, immortal stuff. Yeah, you know, he's trying to find the fountain of youth. Man. Well, he did. He, it's her cells. <laughs> Maybe not the entire fountain of youth, but, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's amazing for her cells. Like, what was it about her DNA? Yeah. If they've never been able to do this again. Yeah, for real. For a little over a month after her diagnosis in 1951, Henrietta's family did not know about her cancer. She didn't tell nobody. Mm-hmm. Although radium treatments had known side effects, such as nausea and vomiting, there is currently no record of Henrietta experiencing those effects. Wow, so she didn't have any of the side effects. Mm-mm. From radium being sold inside of her. Wow. She is immortal. She's gotta be. <laughs> Crazy. As her treatments progress and her tumor begin to shrink, the next course of action in her treatment was x-ray therapy. Because her husband worked nights and could not pick her up from treatment, she needed to tell two of her cousins about her cancer so she could wait with them until her husband could pick her up. Henrietta's cancer at that time had quickly spread throughout her body, and by September of 1951, her internal organs were almost entirely covered in cancerous tumors. Dang. So her initial tumor shrunk. That's great. I wonder if the radium they put inside her had something to do with that spreading or something. I thought she was immortal. What happened? Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to just put radium inside of you. No. We learned that yeah. in our first episode <laughs> with the radium girls. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to touch it like that. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because I feel like that probably did have. Yeah. It may have helped that tumor, but. Yeah, but then it brought more. Yeah. <laughs> Spread more or something. That's so sad. Wow, it's crazy. Almost all her in- internal organs. Mm-hmm. Henrietta sadly passed away on October 4th, 1951. The official cause of her death was terminal urema. Did I say that right? I don't know. What is that? <laughs> well, I'm about to tell you. Oh, okay. Terminal urema is when the kidneys are unable to filter blood the way that they should, and consequently, high levels of toxins build up in the blood. Mm. Radium? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Normal functioning kidneys work with the liver to remove and filter out toxins and other byproducts that the body produces. Though there was no obituary for Henrietta, Gay's lab heard of her death and Gay requested an autopsy to validate the potential for further samples from Henrietta's various organs. They didn't even, like, try to help her. Like, they just took her samples and ran with them. Oh, she died? Oh, we got more access to her body, (laughs) to her samples. Let's get it. We got to jump on it. Yeah. That's so wrong. Like, I don't know. If I was her family or, you know, her husband, I wouldn't allow them to just... No! Mm-hmm. Unless, you like know... you just let her die. You didn't even tell her about um, immortal cells. Yeah, she still had no idea... <laughs> yeah. ...that her cells were making history. Yeah. This is literally... This was history, like, a huge moment in history. And she had no idea that she was... That's crazy. Making this huge impact. Yeah. Or at the start of it. You know, this is the 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 moment it all started was because of her. She has no, she had no idea. Yeah. It's so sad. Her family had no idea. It's crazy. Yeah. However, to obey the law, which held that an autopsy could not be completed without permission from Henrietta's family, physicians only convinced Day, Henrietta's husband, to authorize the autopsy after claiming they would run medical tests on Henrietta that could produce beneficial health information for his children. So... They lying. They lying. <laughs> they using them. Because, I mean, like, did they get information for his kids out of that? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Or probably they not. probably told him, no, we didn't, sorry, like, all, we just... <laughs> yeah, we didn't have no information to no, give you. No, we can't tell if it's genetic or not, you know? Yeah. You can't tell if your kids are at risk or not. We just, we have, I'm sorry, it was inconclusive. Mm-hmm. This is so wrong. Like, to, to... I'm sure in their mind, they're not lying to the family, saying that, you know, it could produce beneficial health information for his children because what these cells ended up 
doing for science any information <laughs> could have helped their their kids potentially if they would have gave them information which they probably didn't yeah like down the line i don't mm-hmm. know it's oh, this rubs me so wrong yeah as of 2020 the cells gay collected from henrietta are some of the most commonly used cells in the biomedical research that is so crazy mm-hmm. 2020 mm-hmm how many years later is that? that that's so crazy 60? how it's possible. No. Six, 60? 60 years later? I don't even remember. Yeah. Scientists have used her cells through the HeLa cell line to test the effects of zero gravity on human cells in space to study the human genome and across a wide array of disease and vaccine research. Despite the widespread use of her cells in research, Henrietta's identity as the donor of the HeLa cell line was known only to the scientific community in 1970 before her own family became aware five years later. That's so crazy! It's 1951, (laughs) she passes away. She still had no idea that her cells were taken from her. Here we are, it's 1975, because her family became aware five Uh years after that, so 1975. That's 25 years. 25 mm-hmm. years after she passes away before her family even knew that her cells were making history. That's just so wrong. That's just, oh, just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Though Gay claimed that his initial intent was to keep her name private, maintaining the secrecy of the HeLa cell donor allowed for research institutions and companies to profit from Henrietta Cells. That's just, Ain't oh. that something? <laughs> That's crazy. So <laughs> he intended on keeping it private so they can make money. Mm-hmm. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. It's always about money. Oh yeah. That also meant that her family gave no consent and received no compensation for her unwitting donation. Mm. Many researchers attribute the contemporary requirement for documented patient consent for research samples to Henrietta's story. Now, there's a contemporary requirement that patients have to consent for the research samples because of Henrietta, her Mm -hmm. story. Only because they found out, like, because they got caught. Mm -hmm. Only because you you got outed. Bullshit. It really is. On March 25th, 1976, however many years before Valerie's born to the day. We need to start taking the shot. <laughs> I know, March every stuff. Th- Yes, every single time that it's and if, one of our birthdays, we yeah, take a shot. If it's the month, we take one shot. If it's the day, take two shots. Take two shots. That's a good idea. <laughs> Y'all play along with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> play a drinking game. Every time we talk about March... One shot. Mm-hmm. The 25th of March specific, too. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get to stories with my birthday. <laughs> Hopefully, dang. I know. It's like nothing happens in June. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, on March 25th, 1976, reporter Michael Rogers first brought the Gila cell lines connection with Henrietta to public attention. Rogers had learned about the HeLa cell line after seeing Helen Lane Lives written over a urinal in a medical school bathroom. What the heck? Oh, no. (laughs) Rogers initially set out to find the elusive Helen Lane, but upon meeting scientist Walter Nelson Reese, Rogers identified Lax as the true donor of the HeLa cell line. Before Rogers revealed her identity to the public, only rumors of the identity of the woman whose cells produced the HeLa cell line circulated among the public, Helen Lane being one of the rumored names of the donor. Rogers' Rolling Stone article established Henrietta as the actual woman whose cells were used to make the HeLa cell line. Thank you, Michael Rogers, for bringing her name to the public. Yeah. And calling these motherfuckers out. <laughs> How do they know about this line? Like, was it popular or something? Like... The the what? Were they like, we got a new the cell immortal line? cell line? Well, no, this was, so he saw it because he was in um, a medical school. So I'm sure oh. that that was part of, like, they yeah. introduced it as part of the curriculum. Just this HeLa cell. And that's probably, you know, yeah. him, like, 
let me let me find out who Helen Lane is. He was probably curious what yeah. makes her so special to see why these cells are so immortal and maybe talk to her about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even if it was whoever Helen Lane is, she wouldn't have known. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing, that, that her cells are floating out there. Yeah. So, neither Henrietta nor her family gave her physicians permission to harvest her cells. In the 1980s, family medical records were published without family consent. That's wrong. Wow. Can't. I can't. Oh. Mm. A similar issue was brought up in the Supreme Court of California, case of Moore versus Regents of the University of California in 1990. The court ruled that a person's discarded tissue and cells are not their property and can be commercialized. <laughs> you die, your body's not yours anymore, or your family's. Wow. Discarded tissue. But so you're like automatically an organ donor. Your yeah. discarded tissues are not yours anymore. So, oh, this person passed away. Um, they don't need their liver, so we're going to donate it over here to either science or this other human being that needs it. So is that maybe that's why the whole do you want to be an organ donor thing came to be? You think? I don't know if this is why, because it, I mean, it's like, they're saying discarded tissues, so I don't know if it's like they're referring to specifically when someone, I don't think they're referring to specifically when someone passes, so mm-hmm. that might not be the same connection, but it could be something similar, maybe. Yeah. Because they probably used to do anything with the bodies that they wanted to. Yeah. So, discarded tissue could be, you saw your foot got amputated, we're going to take it over here yeah. for science. Or like your blood or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your biopsy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. <laughs> That's so crazy. Mm-mm. Taking my cells. <laughs> I am an organ donor, though. <laughs> I mean, I would... Lo- are you... I, was, I don't know. I was always scared to be. I mean, I don't know if I want to be, but I still checked it. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing. It, I think more pe- I think more people need to be organ donators. Is it not? What? Did I say that right? Organ, organ donators. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you not checked? On I have no idea. <laughs> I cannot remember. Oh. To be honest, I cannot remember. I don't remember when the last time I renewed my license, if um, oh, yeah. I did that or not. It's coming due this year, though. So I'll see. <laughs> I have to renew, renew it this year. Um, but I can tell you, I was always terrified for, I, I was too. for some reason. And then, um, but yeah, we need more people on this earth. That I'm, like, I'm still kind of scared. I'm like, do I want? I'm like, I don't want to think about it. Just <laughs> let me die. Just let me die. Let me die. Yeah, I don't know. I think if my body could help science or help another life, then probably yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna change, make sure that I'm an organ donor this year. It's still scary. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I always and then I had you know my lung. What happened with mm-hmm. me and my lungs? Mm-hmm. They're gonna take your lungs. Well, they can't donate them to another human. <laughs> They're gonna do some research. But yeah, I'm I'm like that would be cool science. You can like the effect of you know or how one person lived from surviving. A massive pulmonary embolism and then the damage that it caused and them mm-hmm. surviving so far almost 12 years Cheers. <laughs> 11 <laughs> solid years so <laughs> you know that yeah i don't know everybody go sign up to be an organ donor you can do it when you renew yeah can't you do it you do it when you renew your license you mm-hmm. could do it anytime can't you probably probably yeah go donate your organs um, <laughs> not all your life have you heard of that um what is it like those places where they put the donated bodies like just outside for oh. them to decompose? Yes, <laughs> for 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 like science, research, for, yeah. yeah, for science purposes. Like they train cadaver dogs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, medical examiners, the people like the, yes, yes, and I want to go. I was like, do you want to be one? Yes. No. <laughs> well, you know, I want to be an 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 me, a medical yeah, examiner. I'm talking about when you die. Oh, would you be okay? Like no. But when you you then gave your body up. No, I would rather, I think for me, what I would rather be is one of, like, either just take everything and donate it to somebody that needs it. Like, if they Mm -hmm. can use it for that. And if they can't use it for that for whatever reason, um, I'd rather be one of those. uh, I wish I could remember what it's called. But they have shows. They're going to put you um, in a museum. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's like a traveling museum for that. Oh, the the bodies or whatever? Yeah. 
they have a bunch of um, cadavers, and like usually it's, there's no skin or whatever, but they have different layers where you yeah. see like the muscular makeup of a human's body and I remember those um, videos. the organs and stuff. Oh my gosh, I want to go there so bad. And the nerves and the blood, like they pull the nerve, the mm-hmm. whole intact nervous system and the blood vessels and the veins, the arteries and the veins. I would want, I think I would want to do that over the decomposing piece. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. Just the thought of rotting somewhere kind of just yeah. makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And like birthing mm-hmm. at you or something. Yeah. Ugh. Nasties. <laughs> but I want to go there and see what it's like. No. <laughs> For science. <laughs> well, what kind of science you doing? To see what happens to a body after it's been sitting there for two weeks. <laughs> Just in case I might have to go on a search party to help find somebody. I need to know what I'm looking for. How far decomposed am I looking for? <laughs> Ma'am, they ain't gonna ask you. <laughs> <laughs> but if they're like, this kid's been missing, or uh, let's not say a kid, but if they're like, this man's been missing for three weeks. Oh, his body's gonna look like this. This is what you need to look for. I want to be that person. Okay. <laughs> Stay weird. <laughs> Stay and weird. curious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, okay? <laughs> so, in March... Mm-hmm. Take a shot. <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> 2013. So, it's a different March. <laughs> it's a different March. It's a different March. Same March, different year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Researchers published the DNA sequence of the genome of a strain of HeLa cells. The Lax family discovered this when author Rebecca Skloot informed them. There were objections from the Lax family about the genetic information that was available for public access. Jerry Lax Wyatt, a grandchild of Henrietta Lax, said to the New York Times, the biggest concern was privacy, what information was actually going to be out there about our grandmother and what information they can obtain from her sequencing that will tell them about her kids and grandkids and going down the line. That same year, another group working on a different HeLa cell lines genome under the NIH funding National Institute of Health submitted it for publication. In August 2013, an agreement was announced between the family and the NIH that gave the family some control over access to the cell's DNA sequence found in the two studies, along with a promise of acknowledgement in scientific papers. So, I mean, that's something. It took on... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need some back pay. <laughs> For real? We need <laughs> some... Uh, I'd be suing them. <laughs> what's it called? Some... Um... Back pay? Is it just back pay? <laughs> I don't know. Is there another word for it? I don't know. So it took them 62 years from the time that they discovered her cell to 62 years later <laughs> um, to at least acknowledge, like, give her family a piece. Yeah. A piece of this. But it's just access and some control. Oh, wait. Excuse me just control over access to the sequence to to their sequence their strain of it not even the original like this is a genome of it and a promise to be acknowledged in you know her name this Mm -hmm. is what hers that's so wild it's it's just not it's just like it's not even a breadcrumb you know Mm -hmm. just like a tiny it's not mm. one one step at a time Right? 62 years later? Yeah, 62 years later. Shoot. Everybody's old. In addition, two family members will join the six-member committee, which will regulate access to the sequence data. Okay, well, there's that, too. So, two family members will join the six-member committee? Who else is on this committee? I don't know, but not not four other family members. (laughs) (laughs) Not four people, four more people that deserve to be. Yeah. Wow. In October 2021, Lacks Estate filed a lawsuit against Thermo Fisher Scientific for profiting from the HeLa cell line without Lacks consent, asking for the full amount of Thermo Fisher's net profits. So it took them, how long did we say? This is 2021. Yeah, this is just passed. We're recording at the time that you see our video. It took them eight years from 
the initial agreement till then to actually follow the suit. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> to quote the complaint filed in Baltimore Federal Court, Black people have the right to control their bodies, and yet Thermo Fisher Scientific treats Henrietta Lacks' living cells as chattel to be bought and sold. Thermo Fisher Scientific business is to commercialize Henrietta Lacks' cells, her living bodily tissue, without the consent of or providing compensation to Miss Lacks' estate, the lawsuit states. All the while, Thermo Fisher Scientific understands, indeed acknowledges, on its own website, that this genetic material was stolen from Miss Lacks. Thermo Fisher's scientific business is nothing more than a perpetuation of this theft. The lawsuit was brought by Ron L. Lacks, the estate's executor and grandson of Henrietta Lacks. For years, he has been inspired by his mother's resilience to keep Henrietta's name alive, and he is using this inspiration to fight for his family's ownership of his grandmother's legacy. I walk into my mother's room. She gives me strength because I know I'm doing it for her. She started this in 1973. She started this so when I walk into her room and feed her, change her, I know I'm doing this for her. Ron Lack told ABC News, When you fight for your family, you come off with all guns blazing. You don't stop until you succeed or they knock me down, he added. You go, Ron. <laughs> It seems that my family has been shut out of everything profit-bearing of my grandmother and our family history. He told the Dundalk Eagle last year in a story promoting his book, Henrietta Lacks, The Untold Story, which he says aims to correct the misimpressions left by Rebecca Skloot's book. The complaint mentions the Tuskegee experiments in which black men were secretly denied treatment for syphilis, along with World War II mustard gas experiments on black soldiers and hysterectomies that were performed on black women in Mississippi under the guise of appendectomies, which those are definitely stories we'll have to look into. Um, yeah. Yeah. All kinds of medical. We like, we like our medical stories where it's, you know, stuff goes on that. You have one thing that is planned, but that's not what happened. Kind of mm. like the, um, kind of like Dr. Death, how, you know, <laughs> you're coming in here yeah. for your spine up here, yet we're working down here. Definitely would like to cover these stories. Yeah. Ouch. Too often, the history of medical experimentation in the United States has been the history of medical racism, the lawsuit states. In 2013, the National Institutes of Health announced a new ethical guideline concerning HeLa cells restricting access to the complete DNA sequence to scientific researchers funded by the U.S. government grant. The medical company being sued by the family of Henrietta Lacks has filed a motion calling for the dismissal of the suit, claiming... It's decades too stale to proceed. I think not. Decades too stale to proceed. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the family doesn't find out until five years later. We're in the 70s. You know what kind of time period this is for black Americans, for mm -hmm. black people in general. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. That wouldn't have, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to, get where yeah. they could have gotten today mm -hmm. or are trying to get today even 10 years ago yeah so that's just a cop out it's decades oh, too yeah. stale to proceed sorry we can't do this because it's been way too long you should have you should have come up here earlier okay <laughs> if they tried earlier what would have happened yeah nothing nothing nothing, nothing would have happened mm -mm. sorry you know she you know whatever i don't know it's just <laughs> nope. The motion was filed on behalf of Thermo Fisher Scientific and argues even under the most generous interpretation of when plaintiff's claim may have accrued is barred by Maryland's three-year statute of limitations. That's just still... Oh. <laughs> that part is a little touchy because I get that they have those limitations, but... But still, yeah, come on. Yeah. Still just so wrong. You mm. can, like, overlook this because of how far this has come. Like, how far her cells have helped the scientific mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Uh, or how much they've helped them. Yeah. Just, uh. 
According to the motion, the story of Lack's treatment by John Hopkins in 1951 and the widespread subsequent commercial use of the HeLa cells has been known for 50 years when Rolling Stone and Ebony magazines wrote on Lack's story in 1976. Since then, numerous articles and even a book have been written on her. However, Lack's family didn't take action until October 2021 and, as a result, is facing a decision to determine if they are time-barred. As of today, I couldn't find anything else, or Mm -hmm. we couldn't find anything else um, moving forward on the story. So if we do hear something else, we can update you guys. But definitely keep this story on your radar, you know, if you see something in, in the news about it. Compensating the Lacks family for its incredible contribution to medical science and research is long overdue and decades of wrongdoing is not justification for continuing to ignore them. Instead of fighting this family, companies like Thermo Fisher Scientific should welcome the opportunity to right this wrong and be a part of correcting the history of racial injustice in the U.S. medical system. Amen. Mm-hmm. That was said by Christopher Seeger, one of the attorneys representing the Lacks estate in the litigation in a statement. So true. <sighs> Man, that's right, that's what I was wanting to say. You go, Chris. That's yeah. what I meant. That's what I meant to say a while ago. <sighs> Johns Hopkins University states on its website that it has never sold or profited from the discovery or distribution of HeLa cells. Liars. And that the university does not own the rights to the HeLa cells. Hmm. Okay, so <laughs> give them back. <laughs> right? Give them back or give me money. <laughs> Dispose of them or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then keep them forever in a vault. <laughs> the university also claims that it has helped the Lax family broker an agreement that requires scientists to receive Henrietta Lacks' genetic blueprint. Over the years, HeLa cells have enabled scientists around the world to make giant leaps in science and medicine. This list highlights five of these remarkable contributions. Although these are huge milestones in the scientific community, the Lacks family, specifically Henrietta, should be recognized for her unintentional contribution. Yeah, so we'll go over, like she said, the five five things that her cells have done, but I just want to say that we we wouldn't we wouldn't have had this without her so thank you to Henrietta and her family but specifically to Henrietta even though she had no idea this is this is incredible like mm-hmm. i'm so curious to know what it is specifically about yeah. her cells that are so immortal mm-hmm. and is there anybody else like her mm-hmm. you know maybe somebody else in her family has this special dna strain yeah. I don't know. She had weird. siblings. She had nine other siblings. Yeah. Very curious. I mean, hmm. you know, with their permission. I would have, I don't know. That, that's, it's just, I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the first thing is polio eradication. Wow. That's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> mm. Jonas Salk had developed a polio vaccine in the early 1950s, but was struggling to find a way to test it in field trials as traditionally used rhesus monkey cells were too expensive for such a large-scale study. In 1952, HeLa cells were to be both susceptible to, but not killed by polio, making them an ideal source of host cells. A HeLa cell culture production laboratory was set up at Tuskegee University, which at its peak was shipping in the region of 20,000 tube cultures per week. Dang. 20,000 HeLa cell tube cultures per week. I don't understand how cells could do that. That's so weird. Well, they were multiplying like crazy. It's just so crazy. Yeah. Science, baby. (laughs) Science. Okay, the second one was improved cell culture practices. During the mass production and distribution of HeLa cells for polio vaccine testing at Tuskegee University, lead researchers Brown and Henderson pioneered new cell culture protocols, such as the use of rubber-lined screw cap bottles and tubes and strict QC measures. 
The temperature-sensitive nature of HeLa cells also led the researchers to use multiple incubators and introduce novel shipment solutions such as equitherm and insulated shipping containers. After the discovery that HeLa cells could travel through the air and contaminate other cultures, vast improvements were made to cell culture practices to prevent further costly cross-contaminations. Wow. So the third one is chromosome counting. A lab mix-up in Texas in 1953 accidentally enabled researchers to see and count each chromosome clearly in the HeLa cells that they were working with. Following this discovery, two scientists developed a technique for staining and counting chromosomes, demonstrating that human somatic cells have 23 pairs of chromosomes, not the previously believed 24. This has had important implications for medical diagnostics as deviations from 23 chromosome pairs are associated with various genetic diseases, for example, trisomy 21 and Down syndrome. So that's just crazy. Like her, her cells allowed them to be able to see chromosomes clearly and see that there's 23, not 24, like they thought. That's and crazy. then all of a sudden, here, here's, you know, this helps trisomy and Down syndrome. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, what? A lab mix-up. Accidentally oh, yeah. enabled them. Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, what? You can clearly see the chromosomes. How? How? <laughs> <laughs> We're not scientists, Val. I know. I understand. <laughs> Dang. I want to know. So, the fourth one was genome mapping. Harrison Watkins created the first human-animal hybrids in 1965. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. By fusing HeLa cells with mouse cells. What? Mm -hmm. Despite the fears and uncertainties from the general public at the time, this accomplishment enabled great advances in mapping genes to specific chromosomes and in years later, the Human Genome Project. Yeah, human-animal hybrid. That's crazy. If y'all want to hear that story, let us know. I want to know, yeah. Yeah. And the last one is HPV vaccine, the human papilloma virus. So in the 1980s, Henrietta cells were found to contain HPV-18 by Harold Zurhausen, that's German, who later went on to win a Nobel Prize for his discovery linking HPV and cervical cancer. Remember Henrietta, who started this all, had cervical cancer? Yeah. Subsequent work led to the development of HPV vaccines, which are now used in many countries to protect young girls from developing HPV infections associated with cervical cancer. Estimates suggest that HPV vaccination will help to reduce the number of deaths from cervical cancer by 70%. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's good. Dang. All because of Henrietta unknowingly donating that's, her that's so crazy tissue, discarded tissue as they call it, yeah. to science. Like her cells are like everywhere. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's sad though because it's like no recognition. Yeah. <sighs> Man, they they need to do better. <laughs> In addition to these five examples, HeLa cells have been involved in many other groundbreaking advances in science and medicine, ranging from being the first cells to be successfully cloned to the first human cells to be sent into space. HeLa cells are still widely used in labs today, making it likely that their contributions will continue to grow. Which means that her family needs to continue to be recognized. For real. And compensated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if like, I don't know. If if this were me and my family, like, if they actually gave me acknowledgement and compensation for all of this, then maybe I'll donate. You can take some tissues out of me and see if I'm going to help you. So long as you keep the compensation and the acknowledgement coming, I want, I would love to go down the history as being Mm -hmm. able to contribute to. I know, right? She should be in history books. Like, what the heck? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's our story for today. Um, Miss Henrietta Lacks, definitely good story and yeah but more. i honestly did not know about her yeah so. i i hadn't i didn't either mm-hmm. and yeah when when our friend told us about told me about it i was like yeah 
yeah. She gave me a brief synopsis of it, and it's like, sh- you know, th- th- yeah. <laughs> Let us know if you've heard about Henrietta Lacks. Um, I know that, you know, her family's been in the news recently with this lawsuit and stuff. So maybe you heard about her recently. But if you heard about her before that, then let us know. And what are your thoughts? Do you think that, do, do you agree and think that the scientific world is wrong for just taking not only her cells, but other people's discarded tissue mm-hmm. and keeping them for science purposes? Or should they have gotten permission? You know? I'm sure if they would have gotten permission, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and see if, you know. Right? Yeah. Him. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. times back then. Yeah. You have any other thoughts on the? No. So, if you like this story, give it um, a like. <laughs> <laughs> Like our YouTube, our podcast, um, our Facebook page. Yes. And you Shadow. can leave us a comment. Right. And if you want to suggest a story. <laughs> you need some help out? <laughs> can y'all see this doggy? Hi. He, I don't know if y'all can hear it, but there's like fireworks or gunshots going off outside. Mm-hmm. Probably fireworks. It's probably fireworks, but you know. You never know. It could be both. Yeah. Him scared. He's so scared. He's scared. such a little baby. Baby. <laughs> there you go. That's a nicer word. And then this one, she just wants attention. Come here. Mm-hmm. Come here. But y'all know the drill. Y'all know what to oh, do. Hugs. Subscribe to us, okay? And maybe y'all can see more little doggies. Yeah. They're cute. Hmm. The radium crew. The radium crew. We in the radium crew. You gonna tell us something? Alright, so we've got a question for today. So, Val, would you rather get $10 million today or a monthly payment spread out across your lifetime? Starting today. Um, that one's kind of a hard one because, like, I want it all. Um, I don't know, like, a part of me wants it all, but then, like, I feel like I would spend it all. <laughs> yeah, all at one time? Yeah. You think you'd probably- spend it all? Or at least way before my lifetime is over, you know? So maybe I'd probably probably do better having it in monthly payments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we do the math and we say that we'll live to be around 90 because my fa- that'd be average for mine and maybe yours too. So we're 30. We've got 60 more years. So ten mil- ten million dollars over sixty years is one hundred sixty six thousand, just over one hundred sixty six thousand dollars a year. Divide that by twelve months. That's thirteen thousand eight hundred eighty eight. So we'll round it up to four- about fourteen thousand dollars a month each month until you die. Quit. So that's one hundred and sixty-six thousand a year. You said. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I can get down with that. That's fine with me. So you would still do monthly payments. <laughs> that's just a hard so, one. <laughs> you want me to say what I would do? Yeah. What would you do? Okay. So at first, I was thinking, yeah, I would do. Pro- I would probably do monthly payments too because I wouldn't want to put it all. I don't. I wouldn't want to spend it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that I would. You know, the first thing I would probably do is is pay off my house mm-hmm. and then buy a new car and then take care of my family, like give some money to my family and make sure that everybody that I love and care about is set up. Yeah. So, I'm, yes, I'm afraid I would spend it all at yeah. once if I had it all. But if I had that much money at one time, I think what I would do is pay my house off so I'm done with that, upgrade my car, and then... Put the rest in, like, I don't know anything about this stuff, so I would definitely hire some sort yeah. of person that's smart and knows about that. But some sort of bank or whatever that can accrue interest and, like, get get mm-hmm. more money mm-hmm. over the years. So that way I would eventually have way more than $10 million yeah. before I die or by the time that I'm yeah. passed away. I think I would do that. Because if I only get monthly payments of about almost $14,000 a month, well... I would save it, yeah. I would be able to save it and probably do the same thing where I put it back. 
But I don't know. It's just... Like, I just don't know if I'm going to need that much money when I'm older. So I'm like, should I spend it when I'm younger? Like, what if you, can't you set up like funds or trust or something like that? Like for a certain age, Mm -hmm. you can get it at a certain age. So maybe you can give yourself like a million in your last years or something. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. I think I would want it all up front for sure. Yeah. And then like maybe separate it yourself somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Until I'm put in that position, I'm I'm actually really torn. Because I, I wouldn't mind having the monthly payment. That way I know what I'm getting that month and I can budget myself. Yeah. Rather than having it all at once. And d- what budget do you have to go on unless mm-hmm. you do like what you said and you set, you put a certain amount. Yeah, I would definitely have to do that because I'd be. <laughs> yeah, I would have to, I would hire a financial yeah. person that I trusted. Like, yeah. you know, you hear about all the scams and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's terrifying. But I would definitely have to hire somebody and not tell anybody that had as much money. I would probably yeah. live the same life that I live. Probably not the same life that I live. <laughs> but I would probably, like, not tell anybody that I'm a millionaire. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take that back. Maybe a couple people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyways any other thoughts on that <sighs> no that's what i would do yeah mm, that's a hard one yeah that's hard so what would you do if you had 10 million dollars would you rather have it today and do whatever you want with it or would you rather have it in monthly payments across your lifetime let us know on our youtube yeah. channel in the comments down below if you're listening on our podcast we do have our facebook page you can go over there we upload this um every time that we have post an episode we upload it straight to our facebook page so you can comment on this episode um you can send us a facebook message and we'd love to hear from you so give yeah. us some advice <laughs> yeah give us some <laughs> advice you know in case we win the lottery mm-hmm. <laughs> but all right that's it for today guys i hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you guys next time as always stay curious children and grill chin oh fuck <laughs> grill children, <laughs> grill children. <laughs> her children and grill <laughs> <laughs> What are you trying to say? <laughs> Her children and grand ah! grandchildren, grand grandchildren, <laughs> and grand. Why? I'm just like screaming. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Would it be easier to say grandchildren and children? <laughs> <laughs> or grandkids? Maybe grandkids. <laughs> grandkids. <laughs> What'd you say? Grill children? Grill children? Quit licking your dick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I hope I picked that up.